Welcome to the Restless Hearts Podcast, a podcast dedicated to spiritual reflections and conversations about our journey together as human beings. I am Father Ray DeLugos, an Augustinian friar serving at Merrimack College as the Vice President for Mission and Ministry. There is perhaps no greater threat to our ability to respond to life in ways that are truly and fully human than the temptations that come our way from experiences that evoke the emotion of shame. Shame arises whenever our experience exposes whatever is inadequate, incomplete, or imperfect about us. And since that is pretty much all of our experiences, shame can be a pervasive and insidious force pushing powerfully toward choices that are less than human and perhaps even more powerfully toward choices that are more than human. Shame tempts us to hide from others, refrain from participation, avoid taking the chance to express ourselves in word or deed for fear that we might fail. Shame is the toxic energy that fuels the addictive processes that enslave us and eventually destroy us. It is temptations arising from shame that convince us that self-destructive behaviors are what we deserve or need. And it is shame that drives us to compare ourselves with others in ways that we can only lose. And shame that evokes the jealousy that so easily leads to violence within relationships as well as beyond them. It is the toxic shame we feel when we are defeated, humiliated, or disrespected that insists on revenge and the same shame that causes us to do to others what has been done to us. The story of creation in the book of Genesis is a masterpiece of reflection of how the human race created in the image and likeness of an all good God lost the paradise of perfect communion with each other, with nature and with our creator. Succumbing to an ever so subtle temptation that it would be possible to be more than human, to be like gods possessing the knowledge of good and evil, our eyes were opened and we saw that we were naked. In that instance, we experience shame. Consequently, I wonder if it might be, we might be better served in our theology and spirituality to refer to that event not as original sin, but as original shame. For with our eyes opened, the phenomena we know as human judgment entered the world and replaced the divine judgment that we and all of creation is very good. Instead of enjoying that very goodness, our eyes now saw only inadequacy, imperfection, and incompletion, and so compelled us to cover ourselves up with clothing and attempts to hide ourselves from the one who all only and always sees us as very good. That same shame continues to compel us to hide the truth about ourselves from ourselves, from others, and from God sure that we could only be judged as not nearly good enough and probably as far worse. As that great story continues and we are discovered in our hiding place by the one who is always looking for us and seeing us with great delight, the effects of shame go more insidious as we explain that our action was the fault of someone else. How different that story might be if Adam, instead of blaming Eve and blaming God for giving her to him, acknowledged that he freely chose to act in freedom and accepted responsibility for his choice. 
The story soon shows us how this original shame convinces Cain that his brother Abel is preferred and in a jealous rage kills him and tries to hide the body. What the story reveals is how shame set off the cycles of violence that continue to be the story of the human race, cycles driven by our efforts to cope with existence dominated by shame arising from judgment, clouded by in our inability to see the goodness that our Creator continues to see and to love. It may be important at this point to explain that the emotion of shame and the feeling of guilt serve very, very different functions and deliver different messages to us. Guilt can and should be a very healthy signal that we have done something that is wrong or hurtful to ourselves or to others. When our self-awareness is strong, guilt can teach us to modify our behavior and invite us to make better and different choices. Shame, on the other hand, delivers the message that we ourselves are inherently bad and that cannot be changed no matter what actions we may engage in. Shame is experienced deep within us in response to the belief that we are so badly damaged and unworthy that we can never know ourselves or be known as worthwhile, lovable, and loved, or capable of being good. This inner belief is constantly reinforced whenever we give ourselves or receive from another a shaming message that we are not now and never will be good enough to experience anything other than condemning negative judgment. Experiences that put us in touch with shame contain, as do all human experiences, the temptations to respond in ways that are more than human or less than human, but they also contain the invitation to be fully human, an invitation that shame itself will work very hard to prevent us from accepting. One of the ways that shame can tempt us to be more than human is to protect ourselves from the judgments of others by puffing us up with prideful arrogance and a condescending view of, of the world. It may seem contradictory, but pride is not the opposite of shame. Rather, shame and pride are two sides of the very same coin, both separating us from the rest of the human race. Pride hides our flaws while highlighting the flaws of others and frequently sees our flaws in others while blinding us to them in ourselves. We become like the Pharisee in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, who gives praise and thanks to God that he is not like the rest of human beings. But it is far more likely and common that in response to shame's message that because we are not complete, perfect, and always up to whatever challenge comes our way, we are worthless. We choose to give in to the temptation to be less than human. The first less than human temptation arising from shame is the desire to disappear completely so that not only are our flaws not exposed, but nothing of us is exposed. When our wish that the floor would open under us and let us fall through it out of sight is not granted, we find ways to hide, to isolate, to avoid being with others, but are still left with ourselves and the toxic pain that is the fruit of shame. This pain may well lead us further down the rabbit hole of shame, that we begin to pour violent shaming messages over our own heads, somehow believing that a barrage of inner name-calling, 
ugly and harsh criticism and nasty judgment and condemnations are the only form of justice worthy of us. Another less than human temptation arising from shame is the one that Adam fell prey to after the creator had found him hiding in the bushes, covering himself with fig, fig leaves. He blamed. He blamed Eve and he blamed God for giving him Eve while accepting no responsibility for himself. That may have been an even more problematic action, disrupting the harmony and unity of creation than having eaten the forbidden fruit to begin with. When shame gets us to blame others and to heap nasty, harmful, relationship-destroying judgments on others, it succeeds even more completely in convincing us that being part of the human race is just not where we belong. A final temptation arising from shame is, strangely enough, acting without shame, being truly shameless, but not in a way that is remotely healthy or connecting us with others. Rather, shamelessness rejoices in the process of our self-destruction through harmful behaviors and generates hostility and aggression toward anyone we might perceive as judging us. Shamelessness effectively builds a transparent wall around us. Everyone and anyone can see us as we are exposed in all of our shame-filled glory, but no one can come close enough to love us, heal us, or invite us into intimacy and connection. But shame does come with an invitation to be more fully human. The path from shame to being more fully human is the path of humility. While shame demands that we hide our flaws, Humility is a choice to allow others and God to see the full truth of ourselves without attempting to manipulate their judgment through any kind of impression management, excuse, or judging ourselves before others can judge us. Humility is the choice to stand in the light and be exposed while giving everyone the choice to accept us or not, to join with us or not to love us or not. We make the choice to be visible and leave everyone else free to decide about our worthiness. It is a huge risk, of course, but it is the risk that leads so many from powerless addiction to empowering sobriety, from an isolating loneliness where we are stuck with ourselves, unable to stand the company, to community and communion with others who know exactly what it is like to be us because they know that they are just like us. It is a risk because we just might be surrounded by angry judges ready to cast the first stone from their own lack of awareness of their more than human failure to be fully human, to risk that our prodigal parent will disown us just as we may have disowned them, and in the presence of Pharisees thanking God that at least they are not like us. But perhaps in taking this risk, we will discover the very good news that no one has condemned us. God has not condemned us. Not only are we not disowned, but a feast is thrown in our honor, even if our more than human older brothers and sisters won't join it. And that instead of being judged as contemptible by the self-righteous Pharisees, our honest, transparent, Standing in the light prayer for mercy on a sinner sends us home justified. A risk for sure, but a risk in which we truly have nothing more to lose 
because we have already taken it all from ourselves, and therefore a risk in which we really have everything to gain.